time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Roto-Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By M.J. Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Polyod. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Ruby Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Moore's Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night. We have an awesome show on tap for you all today. We'll have some of our usual guests. We'll talk with Kevin Harris to talk Ohio State football Ohio State needed all of the time to come away with the win on the road in South Bend against Notre Dame. They're off this weekend before they take on Maryland. We'll talk with Kevin Harish in just a few moments about that. We'll also catch up with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. Trojans stayed hot with the win against Springfield. They get to 5-1 and one overall. They'll take on Anthony Wayne on Friday. Bart Wilson will also catch up with Foss Story as head football coach Derek Kidwell. Tough loss for them last week against Oak Harbor. Doesn't get any easier for them when they take on Eastwood. We'll have Bart's conversation with Coach Kidwell a little later on in the show. But we'll also hear from both sides of the matchup on Friday. Well, really not the matchup, but just the doubleheader. We'll catch up with uh, Tiffin Columbian head football coach Judd Lutz. Tornadoes 5-1 and one on the year. Got a close win last week against Sandusky to finally open up Sandusky Bay Conference play in the Lake Division. They're back at home on Friday to take on Clyde. And we'll talk with Tiffin Calvert's head football coach Steve Reese or the Senecas rolling on the year in their own regard at 5-0. and oh. Their game canceled last week against Fremont St. Joe. They will take on Margareta. This Friday night, we might not be at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings. Tonight, you can get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash. All the daily specials, though, are dine-in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at Frickers.com. And again, don't miss our coverage of high school football Coming your way on Friday. Friday night, we will have a double header of action with both of the Tiffin High Schools. At 4.30, we have a rivalry matchup in the SBC Lake. Tiffin Columbian takes on Clyde. At 8 o'clock, we'll have an SBC River matchup. We're going to be homecoming for Tiffin Calvert as they take on Margareta. You can hear both those games with Pete Seymour and myself live from Frost Cowdenow Stadium. That'll be on Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI. On WFOB, we'll have another SBC River matchup. Gibsonburg takes on Lakota. Lakota looking a lot better on the season after a big win last week against Willard. Matt Com and Tom Grind have that one Friday on WFOB. And listen in at 6 o'clock on WFOB for the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show. And then after the game, stay tuned in for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard Show. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will preview and recap all the action from around the area for Week 6 of high school football. With that, we'll set aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing, and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios.
At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you until 7.30. The Ohio State Buckeyes survive on the road to beat Notre Dame 17-14 to in their first big test of the season. They're actually off this week before taking on Maryland on October 7th. You can hear Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing him. Oh, Kevin, as we were talking before we got uh, back on the air, the, the Ohio State gets the win, doesn't come easy, has to come at the very last moment that it possibly could have. What were your uh, big takeaways from uh, from this game? Yeah, I mean, obviously it is a, I don't know, I mean, it's a, it's a big win for Ohio State. Um, I think I mentioned to you before we started recording, as big of a win as it is for Ohio State, I think it's an even more just brutal loss for Notre Dame. Um, I mean, like, frankly, Ohio State did not play very well. Um, I think largely they let Notre Dame dictate the way the game was played. Um, Notre Dame really ran the ball. Uh, and basically, my biggest concern heading into the game was that Notre Dame would be able to kind of just get whatever they wanted on the ground. And um, maybe not in like huge, like big plays or anything like that, but just in terms of, you know, those four and five yard runs over and over and over. And that's really what we saw the entire second half. Uh, Notre Dame controlled the ball, ran all over Ohio State, had those long, um, you know, seemingly unstoppable drives that ate up a ton of time on the clock. Uh, they played their game. Ohio State only had eight offensive drives and they still lost in probably the most brutal way imaginable. One second left on the clock. They were one second and one inch away from an absolutely massive win. Um, but they lost the game in part because nobody could seem to count to 11. So um, it, you know, like it's a great win for Ohio State. They're going to feel really good about it. Um, Ryan Day was feeling really good about it after the game. Um, you know, a, a, a gutty win and, you know, what you wanted. But um <laughs> A, a horrible, horrible loss for Notre Dame. And Kevin, while we have a moment here, I mean, you know, Lance, Lance and I have family and loved ones who happen to be very proud and honorable Notre Dame fighting Irish fans. And before I get to my actual question, can you just address the elephant in the room? He did cross the goal line. I mean, that was plain oh. day for 
everyone involved except Notre Dame fans, correct? Yeah, 100%. I was even, I was really baffled that there were like anybody who was, because like, okay, so like the 2016 Ohio State Michigan game, there's no real good angle of that. Like, you can't see did the ball cross or whatever of the JT Barrett first down. And so, like, that debate, like, is legit. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I tend to think that he probably got it, but like, I, at the end of the day, like, you can argue it either way on that one because you there's no clear shot right down the line of scrimmage. There was a clear shot right down the line of scrimmage, and he's like, it's not even just like a fraction of an inch of the ball. The entire ball is in like is breaking the plane by the time his right knee comes down. His right knee comes down before his left knee. It's like it's not even close. And more than that, like it's an it's a favorable camera angle to make it look like he's short. But even then, like he's very clearly still in the end zone. So if if people are thinking that he was somehow short, like, man, that is just wishful thinking in, in that regard. Now, it, it, uh, in terms of my actual question, though, concerning the game, you mentioned brutal loss for Notre Dame. Uh, my my question pertaining to that, though, it is a brutal loss that you're you're winning practically for 59 minutes, 57 seconds of a game only to lose it in the final three seconds because, like you said, and I've joked with some members of my family for the past week, you can't count to 11 kind of situation. Oh, Looking at that, is it a situation where the moment may have gotten too big for Notre Dame, or was it just two evenly matched teams and just that one mistake ended up being the difference in the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I hesitate to say it, but it, it, that seems like too much of just like, I don't know. That seems very reductionist to just be like, ah, you know, the moment was just too big for him. But like at the end of the day, that is kind of what it seemed. Um, I mean, they had 10 guys on the field for the two most important plays of the game coming out of a timeout and literally nobody caught it. Like I, you know, like that, that is a brutal mistake that really only happens when you've got like a young coach, like Marcus Freeman, a young kind of unproven coach, like Marcus Freeman, um, you got to make mistakes like that. So you don't make them later in your career, I guess. But, um, you know, honestly, there's something to be said about like, that's why programs usually hire more experienced head coaches, because, you know, that doesn't happen for guys who've been coaching for 10, 15 years, like it just doesn't. Um, and, you know, you could say the same thing about Ryan Day. Uh, he obviously wasn't a super proven head coach when he took over too. And there've been some, some small mistakes like that too, just not on the same scale. So, um, you know, that that's not great, but like at the same time, I do kind of think, um, Notre Dame fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I do think that whole talk is kind of overblown based on the defensive alignment and the way that Notre Dame attacked, you know, the, the front and the line of scrimmage. I'm not sure it really would have mattered a ton if Notre Dame did have that last defensive lineman on the field. Um, the way it was blocked, basically the tackle who was responsible for handling that uh, defensive lineman just kind of moved up and didn't block anybody because there's nobody there to block. It, like it, it, it wouldn't have functionally mattered. I don't think the larger issue was that Notre Dame's alignment was um, basically heavy to the the field side of the field or the right side of the field um where ohio state had run uh previously it, it seemed like they were expecting more of a rollout or maybe a play action like bootleg for kyle mccord to throw or like have the option to throw or run um towards the right side of the end zone i don't they weren't based on their alignment they were not ready 
for anything to come to the left. So um, I'm, I'm not sure it would have mattered a whole lot, even if they got the other guy in there. So it's just, it's an interesting talking point, but um, I think Ohio State probably would have scored regardless just because of Notre Dame's defensive alignment. And that brings up a really funny point because uh, is atrocious is Ohio State's first two fourth down calls were uh, the fourth and goal at the beginning of the game and then the fourth and inches in the red zone is atrocious as both of those play calls were I'd argue they actually set up the touchdown because Notre Dame had absolutely no idea what was coming. And if anything thought that the play was going to, all of the action was going to go to the right, because that's what Ohio state showed the first two times. So hilariously is disastrous as both of those previous fourth down play calls where I think they actually set up the touchdown. Talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback awful announcing on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. You mentioned it with Ryan Day and those, you know, there's the, the bad play calls, earlier points in the game, and just, just the fact that Ohio State fans, because I think if for no other reason the couple losses to Michigan, Ohio State fans as a whole are not all sold on Ryan Day. I think that's a fair thing to say. And then you add on everything that happens in the actual game, and then there's the post-game press conference on the field. Just walk us through all of that because it it's nice to see it's nice to see him, you know, care for lack of a better term. Yeah. But just just walk us through all of that because I I mean I I don't think I was alone in saying that seeing all that was kind of was kind of jaw dropping. Yeah, it, I mean it definitely was. I he so he referenced it. I saw the comments from Lou Holtz maybe it was they think they came on Friday and so Ryan Day made like a casual mention of like people talking bad about my team or like people questioning this team's toughness like before the game and so that kind of tipped me off as like oh Ryan Day heard Lou Holtz talking because it didn't seem like it seemed like a very pointed thing to say um and so I I like I thought at that point I even sent a tweet that was like Oh, Ryan Day is subtly talking trash to an 86-year-old man or something like at the very beginning of the game. I did not expect immediately after the game him to come out and just like straight up name drop and like call out Lou Holtz like that. Um, but yeah, man, like it is it is funny. Um, it, I think this is really the first time we've seen like that kind of fire from Ryan Day. It's very funny that it's directed it like a, you know. 86 year old man at this point but at the end of the day like you know it, it is good to see that he has you know a little bit of a little bit of fire to him in, in that regard I don't know it's 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 very interesting like I, I was I was just fascinated more than anything and of course Lou Holtz kind of clapped back and said he doesn't want to talk about Michigan he doesn't want to talk about how he's 0-2 against Michigan which is actually very funny because like what's Ryan Day going to say in response to that like oh no like I'm actually 1-2 against Michigan I beat them one time three years ago you know like that's that's actually an elite level troll because like Ryan Day can't correct him because it actually makes him look worse so yeah. I don't know um it, it puts Ryan Day in a really funny position it's like are you going to feud with this like 86 year old man all year or you know are you just going to kind of take it like it's very funny um i but at the same time like you know lou holtz called out his team and he was willing to defend his team and come out and uh say what he felt he needed to say and i think that's frankly something that's been missing from him uh 
you know, the first few years at Ohio State. He's been a very calm and reserved sort of guy. So I guess I'm going to double down on that because I've made no secret. I'm one of those that's critical of Ryan Day, and I I stand by that criticism as well. I, I think one I asked earlier for Notre Dame, it's like, it, did the moment get too big for them? Kind of situation. I, I think we've historically seen that that has been the case at different times with Ryan Day as well. Not yeah, there. I agree. It's been some extenuating circumstances as well surrounding those, but it, it, I, I guess I'm in the camp of, yeah, it was cool to watch him go after Lou Holtz. Why can't he go after Jim Harbaugh? Why can't he go after Tabo Sweetie? Right. Why, why you're picking an 86-year-old man as your first foray into going after, I don't know, for me, and I, I guess maybe talk me down off of this ledge a little bit if you feel so inclined, I, I think it just further proves Ryan Day, the moment gets too big for him and that he doesn't, I, I don't want to say he doesn't have the it factor because when you're averaging, I believe, what, a 11 and one regular season record over the course of his coaching tenure. It's hard to say that a coach may not have that it factor, but at the same time, is has he really been that good or has he just been a good babysitter up until this point with having spoon fed incredible talent on his teams year in and year out. So I don't know, maybe talk me off the ledge a little bit more for Ryan day of, Still don't be calling for his head after a fourth and inches jet sweep to the short side. That just I I tweeted that he should not have been let back on the bus, win, lose, or draw after that particular play. So yeah. I, I mean, just I, I, I need a little bit more Kevin Harris reassurance here. Well, you know, the thing is that the, it is very valid to criticize Ryan Day. Like I, I I am not one of those people that's like, oh, but look at his overall record. Like the games he has won. He has not lost games that he is um, supposed to win, I guess, is is the, the best praise that I can give um, Ryan Day. Like he, you know, generally speaking, does really well in against the teams that when he has a, ta- a clear talent advantage, you know, he doesn't slip up. And to be fair, like the final years of Urban Meyer, he lost to Iowa, just got like smacked to Iowa and smacked to Purdue. And that hasn't happened under Ryan Day. And so, like, you know, at the end of the day, that that should be, like, the requirement. But at the same time, like, every program slips up against an inferior program every now and then. So it is kind of a testament to him that his team is just kind of always ready to play. At the same time, the dude is one in five against top five teams with one of, if not the most talented roster in all of college football almost every single season. So it is totally fair to criticize what he has done and, you know, has or hasn't accomplished at Ohio state, because like is, as good as his record has been, he hasn't really like won anything, you know, uh, the closest he's really gotten is almost beating Georgia and um, beating Clemson, you know, back in 2020 in that COVID year. So like, those are when, when a top five win, one of his top five, like wins, quote unquote, is almost beating Georgia. Like that's, that's not a great sign. Um, so like, I, I do genuinely understand it. I think Ryan day is a good coach. Um, I think that, you know, maybe he got this job a little too early. Um, and you know, for, for, to, to use a talking point that opposing fans use a lot, like he inherited a Lamborghini, like it's kind of is what it is and he's still learning to drive. Um, but 
I think he is a good coach. I think he is a great offensive mind. I think he gets in his own way sometimes because he is so smart. And I think he tries to make the schematically correct decision and stresses himself over making the schematically correct decision every single time instead of just like, you know, running a play that should work or having a bread and butter play that, you know, should work. Cause like people hated the urban Meyer quarterback power on fourth and one or third and one every time, but it worked. They got, you know, two, three yards every single time. Ryan day doesn't really have that like identity. Like when, when Ohio state needs a fourth and one play, you know, that that's how you end up with the jet sweep to the boundary. Um, that was never going to go anywhere, by the way. Like, I think that's the that's the largest issue with that play is look at the defensive alignment. There wasn't even a numbers advantage to that side. Like, I, I have no idea why they ran that play. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to audible out of it. There's just no way that they looked at that look, that front from the defense and thought, yes, end around to the, to the boundary side is what's going to score here. What's going to get one yard. There's just no way. Like, it was never going to. It was it was honestly almost the same defensive alignment as Notre Dame had on the uh, last play of the game when Ohio State successfully got you know one yard running to the left. So I don't know. Um, so that's that was a that was a mixture of like a vaguer talk about Ryan Day in that specific call. But I like Ryan Day. Do, there are valid criticisms of Ryan Day, and I I don't think a lot of people don't like to walk in the middle it's either like ryan day needs to be fired right now or it's insane to criticize a guy who has you know this incredible regular season record or whatever but like i i think there's there's a middle approach here that's like no he doesn't need to be fired on the spot but it is valid to be concerned that he has only beaten michigan one time when his roster was built on players that he didn't recruit and um you know he has a, just an atrocious record against top 5 teams when you're brought to Ohio State to beat top 5 teams so like there there are valid criticisms but like i think it's too early to just like fire him into the sun you know this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris Matt Common talking with Kevin Harris Ryder from Meet at Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing. Getting back to the game itself, Kyle McCord doesn't, you know, blow anyone away with his stats. 21 of 37, 240 yards, didn't have a touchdown, but also didn't have an interception. He might not have, like I said, had the best counting stats, but the fact that he was just able to lead the team down the field on the last drive, it really was kind of, I mean, not, I don't want to go out on a limb and say a complete star-making turn kind of performance, but he did what he needed to do in the big moment last week. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, I, you know, there's, there's nothing else you can really say. Uh, you can say that he almost threw a pick or whatever. And that is true. He did find Kate Stover later across the middle that one time. And it could have been an interception, but like, frankly, he played the better game out of the, um, between him and the sixth year senior, who is like one of the better quarterbacks that Notre Dame's had in 20 years. Like Kyle McCord played the better game. He made better throws. Um, he made at the end of the day, uh, he had a chance to go win the game with a touchdown drive and um, Sam Hartman had a chance to, you know, keep that drive going and ice away the victory and he couldn't do it. So at the end of the day, you had a sixth year quarterback against a first year starter and the first year starter had the better game, had the gutty performance at the end. Um, because I mean, yeah, maybe that was a, uh, maybe that was like one bad pass or whatever on that final drive, but 
some of the balls he was placing on that last drive, like that that last play or that last ball to Abuka, he had one where he found Marvin Harrison Jr. between like four receivers. He had that fourth down uh, pass to Julian Fleming where he didn't even blink and just hit him perfectly. Like that was a ton of poise from a first-year starter on the road, kind of the first time facing, frankly, a team with a pulse. Um, you know, that that's as good as you could ask for from a player like that. The moment never seemed too big for him. Even earlier in the game, like he was, you know, hitting the guys that he should have been hitting. Notre Dame kind of dropped back into coverage and took away Ohio State's receiver. So he just took what he could get and give it past to Kate Stover all day. I don't know that like he played a really good game, a really solid game, um, did exactly what he needed to do to get Ohio State the victory. I think I would have liked to see Ohio State be a little more aggressive going downfield. Um, I think it's frustrating for Ohio State fans to see, you know, how easily Ohio State picked apart Notre Dame through the air on that two minute drive when Notre Dame knew they were passing the ball. And then just like, that's not what the offense looked like at all. The entire rest of the game, the other 59 minutes of the game. So like that, that's frustrating. And I'm sure that's, you know, something they're going to try to fix. But um, in terms of just his composure and him winning this game, like it, it's massive for him because I think the other thing is like going forward, he's going to have that confidence now that's like, Hey, like I have won a game against a top 10 opponent on the road with like a, I had one minute to go, you know, 75 yards and I did it, you know, like that, that just adds a ton of confidence to a quarterback as he's taking on teams like Penn state or uh, Michigan in the future. And you mentioned the Lamborghini, um analogy earlier and I, i'm going to double down on just a little bit talking about the passing game is there any slight concern right now with marvin harrison's ankle because we ha- we talk about inheriting a lamborghini that 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 man is like a rocket ship <laughs> in terms of getting just power and ability so Seeing him kind of get a little bit injured, a little bit dinged up during this game. Have you heard anything or is it he should be okay, steady as he goes kind of thing? Because it looked nasty. I know he got back out there, but it seemed like he was also a little bit of a non-factor after he got back out there. So what are you hearing about that from Harrison's side of things? Um, I mean, one, for for better or for worse, Ryan Day shares like nothing about injuries to anyone. Like there, there's like, we're, we're just not going to hear um, about, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. status. He could be out for the rest of the season and um, nobody would know, you know, like, I'm not saying that he is, but like, I think you saw that game all of last year when nobody really gave a clear answer on Jackson Smith and Jigba the entire season. Like whatever the injury is, we're, we're never going to know. He's never going to make it public. He's never even going to like publicly leak it or um, allow, you know, insiders or anything like that to get information like that's just how he kind of runs his ship with injuries um as frustrating it is as it is to fans but i i tend to think he'll be fine um i i think the there was concern at first um that maybe he'd broken the ankle instead of just a sprain or rolling it whatever ended up happening um it, it probably is like my as somebody who has sprained ankles before um i know what that looks like so uh it is you know um, not not going to be pretty, but I think Ohio State kind of lucked out with having the um, 
the bye week this week because probably what ended up happening is like when your adrenaline's going and you're putting pressure on it and stuff like that after you do it he was fine throughout the game he, he did make some big time catches down the road he had like a big or down the, down the stretch he made a big big time diving play um you know seemed, seemed to be fine uh i think he made like three or four catches down the stretch he obviously wasn't the same player or whatever but like he he was perfectly fine to um to play but what ends up happening if you've ever injured an ankle before is it's never when when it happens it's when you go home and you maybe go to sleep and you wake up the next day and it's you know swollen up super bad it hurts really bad like that's inevitably what happens so um with a sprain like that it usually takes you know a week two weeks maybe a few more than that but i i would expect that he will be fine by maryland it might have been a concern asking him to come and play a game this coming week but you know he's got two weeks to heal up so i think he should be fine this is the nwo orthopedics sports auto from the frickers studios lance morris matt common talking with kevin harris writer for me at midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing let's take a look back at week four across college football you of course have Florida State surviving. They beat Clemson in overtime. Penn State shuts out Iowa, Oregon. Hands coach Prime and Dion there. First big loss. Utah edges out UCLA. LSU able to hang on. They beat Arkansas. Bama looked more like usual Bama in their win against Ole Miss. Washington State beats Oregon State among some of the uh, big-time matchups we had last week. And what were some of the big takeaways you had from uh, from across college football? Yeah, I mean it was it was a it was a solid week of college football. Um, you know, I I think the the big one. I mean, obviously Ohio State was kind of the the big showdown of the weekend. Um, I think Florida State Clemson was outside of Ohio State Notre Dame the best game of the weekend. Um, Clemson, I mean, they put up a fight, but Florida State came out on top. I think Florida State is probably going to end up being a playoff team. Iowa looked just horrific. Like you could not have looked worse. <laughs> like that that team, their defense is is very solid, but man, that offense is unimaginably bad. And it it's just worse than you could possibly think that it could be. Um, obviously Colorado came back down to earth. I think we all knew that was gonna happen. That look, listen, like for all the talk about Deion Sanders, I, I I should have said this last week. This is still a six and six football team. Like, and that that's not even to say that it's a bad football team. It's just like if you look at the schedule that they have, like, and how good the Pac 12 is this year, they're they are not winning more than six games. Like they're they lost to Oregon. They're gonna lose to USC. They're probably gonna lose to they're gonna lose to UCLA. They're gonna lose to Oregon State. They're gonna lose to Washington State. They're gonna lose to Utah. Like, you know, I, I know people love to talk about coach prime and Deion Sanders and stuff like that. And like, he has exceeded expectations so far, but this is still like, this is a six or seven win football team at best. So um, seeing them get curbs curb stomped to uh, Oregon was not necessarily a surprise. Um, you know, UCLA, Utah, Utah is a team that's going to be a sneaky national title contender. They don't even have their quarterback back yet. And they are, uh, you know, sitting pretty at four and oh, um, if they can slip past Oregon State this week and, you know, maybe maybe get play USC at full strength at the end of October, um, that's a team that could be a college football playoff contender. So I don't know. It was it was a good week. We got to see a lot of a lot of top teams in action, um, kind of one of those survive and advance weeks in terms of, you know, who is um, 
you know, who is uh, doing well on stuff. But I think the the biggest thing to watch is the Pac-12. Like, there are some good teams in there. I think obviously highlighted by Washington and USC. I, I just, I can't see a realm of reality where any team comes out of the Pac-12 with fewer than two losses. Like, it that could keep them from getting a team in the college football playoff. It is... That is a legitimately very good conference. And it's sad because it's completely dissolving after this year, but it is a legitimately good conference top to bottom. I think it's the best conference in college football right now. Um, all of those teams are legitimately good. They're not just overrated. Um, and that is going to be a brutal stretch for any of those teams to try to get to the college football playoff. Cause one of them's need to come out, one of them is going to need to come out with, you know, one loss or fewer. And I just don't see that happening. Well, speaking of the Pac-12, I mean, it certainly seems like while it may be maybe dying a slow, agonizing death, it's certainly going out with quite the swan song. I mean, you mentioned the teams looking at the Heisman side of things as well. I know still early in the year, but it seems like we have at minimum two clear runaways coming out of the Pac-12 with Caleb Williams and Michael Penix Jr., Quinn Ewers seems to be moving up the ranks a little bit more, but I, I am kind of curious after the game against Colorado, what are your thoughts on Bo Nix and that Oregon team? And do, do you see them maybe disrupting what's been just a clear two-headed monster at the top of the Heisman and the Pac-12 race with USC and Washington? Yeah, I mean, I I love Bo Nix. I think uh, Auburn really messed up by letting him go away, but um, I I think it's probably right now it is. I I, I would go as far as to say um, it is Penix is one A and uh, you know Caleb Williams a tier lower at one B. I think the only reason that Caleb Williams is high up on the Heisman boards right now is is as high up on the Heisman boards as he is right now is. Um, due to name recognition and the fact that he won it last year. If you just like blindly look at their actual performances this year, I think Michael Penix Jr. is like clear in a way the front runner um, and has been the best player in the country so far. Um, and man, I, I hope you guys followed my advice like two weeks ago when I said, uh, I, I feel like Michael Penix is a little undervalued and maybe people should uh, throw some money on him as the, um, the Heisman trophy. Uh, um, front runner or whatever but uh, he is what'd you say i'll say i, I did throw 10 bucks on it uh, <laughs> i'm proud of you i'm proud of you it's i mean it's, it's worth a shot the odds were great like two weeks ago probably not so much anymore yeah he's a plus 350 now so it's uh i, I i'm happy yeah. i put my 10 dollars down when i did yeah it was i mean at the beginning of the season it was uh and it was triple digits at one point so but um i mean that to say i think that he is a the clear cut favorite um, Caleb Williams had a, a, just a brutal game against Arizona state this week. So it's tough for me to say like, Oh yeah, Caleb Williams is the Heisman trophy favorite after man, just, just a horrific performance against Arizona state. And the thing is like, he's probably going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. He's like, you know, I, I say probably almost certainly will be the number one overall pick in the draft. So like, I don't mean to disparage him. I'm not trying to be too like talk too many like counter narratives here. The, there has been a book on him since last year. Utah beat him twice doing this. If you just drop back guys into coverage and don't let him kind of make plays off script and roll around and kind of do the Patrick Mahomes thing where he creates with his legs until somebody opens up. If you make him just sit in the pocket 
and to make on schedule throws, he is not as elite of a player as he looks when you kind of rush him and let him get off off script. So, you know, that's how Utah beat him twice. That's how Oregon State almost beat them last year. When you just give him a three man rush and make him sit in the pocket and beat you, I'm not going to say he can't do it, but he really struggles a lot. And honestly, that's the same thing we saw with Patrick Mahomes um, really early in his career. I think he's corrected that at this point, but it, it is it is very similar to me. And um, I, I don't think that he is an unbeatable quarterback this year. And I think you've seen that there's a pattern of that over the past few seasons. And look ahead to this weekend's slate of games. Friday night, we actually get a ranked matchup in the Pac-12, as you mentioned, with Utah taking on Oregon State. Saturday, we get Notre Dame versus Duke, so they got to turn around and play another top 25 team. USC takes on Colorado, Florida against Kentucky, Kansas against Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, some of the biggest games of the weekend. What are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, um, I think that the Notre Dame-Duke game is really interesting. Um, I, I pegged this as a, as a Notre Dame loss even before the season started. Um, I think it's just brutal for Notre Dame to have to go play one of the best coach Duke teams in the country, or one of the best coach teams in the country in Duke with a ton of talent um, right after a, a just tough game against Ohio State too. Um, we'll see how they can bounce back, but man, that is a tough matchup for, for Notre Dame. Um, you know, you mentioned Utah versus Oregon State. If Utah can just keep slipping by and until they get Armstrong back as their quarterback, like it, it, it will be um that's that's gonna be a pretty dangerous team. And the one I am interested in is um if there's anyone on upset alert, it is Texas. I I would not be shocked at all to see Kansas um, you know, go into Texas and pull off the upset this week. I am not sold at all on Texas. It's astounding to me that they're still the number three team in the country. I get it. They beat Alabama. I don't think Alabama was that good of a football team. Texas is going to lose at least two games this year. Um, it, I, I think this one could be one of them. Kansas is a legitimately good team. Lance Leopold is a great coach. Um, they're, I mean, they are a fun team to watch. If you have not watched Kansas over the past couple seasons, watch this week. Um, I think Quinn Ewers is an overrated quarterback, but that is my upset pick this week is I, I think that Kansas can get it done against Texas. It's also the Sarkeesian effect, right? I mean, just instinctively, yeah. just, I was yeah. just making sure I was catching everything. See, Sark, Sark has never won more than eight games in his entire career. Why would he start now? <laughs> so you already uh, said that's going to be your upset pick. Anything else that you're, looking at in terms of, oh, this could be interesting, whether it's for a first half or in total? Uh, you know, there's not a ton this week. Um, you know, it it's, I guess maybe South Carolina, Tennessee could be fun. I don't think either of those teams are necessarily like good. Um, maybe Iowa State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is just kind of hanging around. And then I guess there's LSU Ole Miss. I think LSU is going to blast Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss is a very good football team, but I think LSU is a little underrated of a football team after kind of that, that opening season win or opening season loss to Florida state. So um, if there's a game that like looks like it's probably going to be close, but there's not a chance that it's actually close. It's LSU Ole Miss. I don't even know what the line is in that game, but LSU is going to win that game by at least two touchdowns. This has been Meet at Midfield writer Kevin Harris. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week. Sounds good.
With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Tiffin Columbian head football coach Judd Lutz. You're on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with the potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Fostoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria. Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you until 7.30. This Friday night we'll have a doubleheader of Tiffin High School football at 4.30. We'll have Columbian taking on Clyde and at 8 o'clock we'll have Calvert playing Margareta. You can hear both of those games on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Pete Seymour and myself will be over at Frost Countdown Stadium for those matchups. We are now pleased to be joined by Tiffin Columbian head football coach Judd Lutz here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Yeah, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. And so for you, obviously things change year over year. Kids graduate, new players come in. What's kind of what kind of was the process like uh, for you getting ready for everything uh, for this season, uh, getting things going? Yeah, you know, uh, every off season you kind of start with conversations related to you know maybe what you did well the previous year, um, what you didn't do well, and then you analyze why those why those things were, you know, was it what you were doing? Was it who you were doing it against? Or was it, you know, who, who you were ha having do it, you know, meaning your own personnel. And so you start the conversations of your own personnel pretty early in the off season and what you anticipate having coming back um, and, and who's maybe had, you know, good off season of preparation and what we envision they can do. And, um, you know, we return a good amount of experience at some key spots um, which was good um, and having a good idea of what their strengths were and what we wanted to refine and get better at. Um, and so we, you know, didn't feel like we had to replace a, a ton of a ton um, in a couple of spots, uh, but needed definitely develop, develop some depth. Um, but also, yeah, replaced definitely some big holes from a good graduating class previously. And so I thought we've done a good job of that uh, thus far. And, and uh, this team's still searching for obviously the best version of itself. And, and progressing throughout the year. Well, allow me to say, Coach, that if the team's still looking for the best version of itself at 5-1, and one, that's moderately terrifying, especially some of the teams that you've beaten along the way to get to that point. Uh, you, you mentioned the depth, and I know that's something that you've preached in years past as well when we've talked with you. What, what can you say so far this season about that depth and that development in terms of being two, three, three players deep at particular positions? Yeah, you know, if you um, you know, if you're gonna play in big time games and and um, you know, play the caliber of talent that we're gonna face in week in and week out with our conference and non-conference schedule, um, you're you're gonna have to have depth in order to compete. And you know, whether that's 
um, keeping guys fresh throughout the course of a game or throughout the course of a season. Um, guys going down to injuries and bumps and bruises, maybe short term or long term. Uh, you got to have an, an answer and you got to have, um, you know, the next man up mentality and what that plan might look like with some moving parts. And we've definitely been challenged uh, with that uh, in several games with, you know, key players being out for portions of games or, or entire games for stretches. And, um, you know, really proud that we've been able to find ways to win in different ways. Um, but like I said, yes, yeah, still searching for, um, you know, that, that perfect game and um, and still refining some of those key skills with as we move guys and move them around a little bit and even change and tweak scheme as well. So um, it's exciting, um, but obviously it makes for some short nights as well for some coaches. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Tim and Columbian head football coach Judd Lutzen. As you alluded to, tough non-league schedule for you guys once again. Uh, Fremont Ross, Chardon, River Valley, Bishop Watterson on uh, that that uh, cross-SBC matchup with uh, Huron as well a little earlier on in the year. What kind of went into getting all those teams you know, for the non-conference? I know some of those teams you guys have played in years past, but kind of what went into setting up the non-conference to make sure it was as competitive as it was? Yeah, you know, um, building a schedule is, is a challenge when you have to come up with kind of five, five, five non-league games. Um, and so you, you start out with people who are hopefully close to you, near you. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of driving two-plus hours for a game. Uh, that's quite the toll on a high school kid and um, and try and then get JV and freshman games the next day for a staff around and developing your players and stuff. And, um, you know, obviously when you have local teams, there's usually history with them and everything. But at the same time, you know, it's got to work out and you got to have openings um, at the same time. And so, you know, we're lucky to you know have a nice built in rivalry with uh, Fremont Ross here that we renewed several years ago and and opening up the season with them, I think, has been obviously some some built-in exciting games and high expectations for two communities that uh, we'll probably continue to do for quite some time. Um, you know, week two, um, we, we had an opening for a number of number of years and, you know, reached out to a number of teams in the area and around the state. Um, and, you know, yeah, it wasn't my first wish to play Chardon necessarily, but, uh, you know, they were looking for a game too. And so uh, they were kind of the best option. And we, yeah, we faced them back in 2020. Uh, on our um, road to when we won a regional championship and they won a regional championship. We faced off in a state semifinal game. Uh, so got familiar with their head coach and their program and a tremendous amount of respect for them. Um, and so we kind of made it happen just because we were each other's best option. Um, you know, similar with River Valley, you know, they had a week three opening and were in our same division or region at the time. So similar size school, not terribly far away. So uh, that's how that contract kind of became uh, an option and then yeah Bishop Watterson um, same thing you know getting to week four of uh, of the season and most teams are in conference play at that point and so you don't have a ton of options um, and they too were familiar with our program and us to them kind of with some uh, playoff games in the past um, and so tremendous amount of respect for them again in our division their division three school so similar size at least according to the OHSA um and uh so we've obviously made that uh, contract happen a couple of years ago and signed up for that and so um not obviously what i love i would much rather uh kind of stay local and um, have some much shorter bus ride trips but at the same point kind of with chardon and waterson at least you know all three of us are kind of in the same situation need non-league games early in the season and not a ton of options with people in their areas willing to play them or 
or able to play them. And so all three of us um, have the same problem. And so therefore are each other's solution. And so that's why we played both of them and they actually played each other as well a week or two ago, I think it was. So um, is what it is. And um, hopefully if you can survive it, stay healthy, find ways to win, um, you know, you can um, really refine your team and, and figure out what you need to work on and hopefully kind of chase, uh, obviously, a long postseason run uh, if you can get there healthy and, and with the opportunity to do so. And coach, having been on that call for that state semifinal game between you guys and Chardon, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a follow-up for that game in particular. I mean, final score 50-49, nail-biter, one of the premier games in the state of Ohio this year. Uh, can, can you talk us through just where you feel since then your team has really grown? Because that was a that was a big win. I mean, Chardon is still one of the premier teams in the state. Big, big win for you guys. And having that in week two in your non-conference, that, that, that had to have given you a good feeling about, hey, this team could be pretty special going forward. Yeah, um, you know, you can't hype it up um, and make it a Super Bowl because it's a week two game, really. And so, yeah, tremendous amount of excitement, you know, happy for our, our community and, and our kids and our coaching staff and families and, you know, to find a way to win against a really good team who's, you know, won two state titles in the last three years and lost to the state champ last year on the um, in the regional final game. And, yeah, you know, I, I would be lying to say it wasn't a big game, but at the same point, you can't hang your hat on it or dwell on it if you want, find a way to win or lose. And so exciting, exciting game, two great teams, um, you know, battling to the very end. And, um, you know, we're fortunate to find a way to win. And so you're happy um, and, you know, elated in a lot of ways, but you got to get over it pretty soon too because you got a week three game and, and a bunch more uh, coming up. And that was kind of the message to the players too, you know, Really, when you boil it down, what was it? It was a really good week two win. That's what it, really what it was. It was a really good week two win. Um, but, you know, we got bigger fish to fry and um, a lot more games to uh, battle with some really good competition in, in, in our league. And, um, you know, we want to get back to a league championship that we haven't had for quite some time. We got to play great football in order to get there and against some really good teams. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, it was really great. But at the same point, you got to turn the page pretty quickly. Talking with Tim and Columbian head football coach Judd Lutz here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And you have a handful of guys, especially on the offensive side, that they already have committed or maybe some of those guys uh, will at some point, whether it's this year or in the years to come. You know, some of those guys in Braden Rogo and Damian Brockington. Just how much uh, of a comfort is it for you, you know, especially on the offensive side, knowing that uh, between every play, one or both of those guys are going to have the ball in their hands at some point in time. H how much kind of comfort does that give to, to your offense? Um, yeah, you know, obviously we have a, a good handful of great athletes, great players on that side of the ball. Um, you know, we, we love what our offense can do as far as staying balanced, running and, and throwing the ball and, yeah, it is comforting for sure to have, you know, your top two guys who are going to handle the ball besides the center um, to have, you know, the talent that they have and our quarterback with Brayden Rowe and our running back and Damian Brockington. But they'll be the first to say, um, you know, they're they're able to shine through because of the collective parts around them. You know, Brayden has a great receiving core to throw to. Damian has a tremendous offensive line to run behind. Um, and so really – really proud of that entire unit this year, really finding different ways to have success. I think, you know, certain games we've been able to run it and it's been there much more so than others and other games we've had to throw first kind of, 
um, in order to have success. And so um, that's what is probably, um, you know, most gratifying and, um, you know, comforting is to feel like we can win games different ways offensively. Um, we got to continue to refine those things and um, continue to uh, make improvements where needed. And with that offensive just balance, really, Coach, I mean, you guys can kind of win in a variety of ways, which not too many teams can actually say. Is that something as well where you look at it now from a defensive perspective where, hey, maybe if this team has the hot hand right now, I can put the focus on the ground game, try and slow the game down, put it back in in terms of controlling the momentum, controlling the rhythm of the game, or is it really just whichever one's having the hot hand, that's what we're going with? Yeah, you know, you want to play great complementary football, you know, in all three phases, um, usually to find a way to win. Um, you know, you can't get can't get too greedy and try to be perfect, you know, and set, every coach would love to, you know, obtain the ball and hold the ball for the entire time and also score a ton of points, um, you know, ideally, and get stops on defense, get the ball back to your offense, you know, over and over and over. But, yeah, some games um, you got to take what's there um, in order to move the ball. Uh, and score points sometimes yeah you got to maybe give your defense a break um, with the drive and the pace of play in which you play if you have some two-way players or um, need you know time to communicate some things but um, yeah at the same point really just trying to remain balanced throughout the course of the season and and relatively balanced within a, each game um, because we feel like that's important when it comes to Ohio high school football and weather and uh, the talent that we're going to see week in and week out. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Tiffin Columbian head football coach Judd Lutz. Last week's win against Sandusky had some interesting moments to uh, really, I guess, put it uh, a little mildly. What can you say about, you know, some of those uh, crazy moments you guys had and, you know, just the overall takeaway from getting the win? Yeah, you know, went uh, went to a really good, uh, really good team's home field. You know, that they're riding high. They had three straight victories. Um, and they were playing really good football and they continue to, you know, you put on the tape, kind of refine what they were doing week in and week out and, and started gelling and, um, you know, molding their offense and defense into uh, what they were good at and doing more of what they were having success with and kind of quit doing some of the stuff that maybe they had trouble with. Um, and so uh, I thought we did a great job dealing with some adversity. Um, you know, they we were behind several times in the game. Our kids bounced back, um, you know, came back, clawed back and took a lead. And then gave up that lead because, um, again, a good team and made some plays. And so um, not happy with some of the outcome and some of the tackling on defense and big plays that we gave up. You know, we're better than that. Um, but at the same point, finding a way, um, you know, the funky play um, in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter um, to get the ball back in our offense's hands and uh, punch one in uh, was really big. And then come up with a stop on defense um on a drive it was really big to find a way to win that's what it's about this time you know find ways to win um against really good teams quality teams who know you really well and they and you know them really well is what it comes down to it doesn't always have to be pretty uh to be effective um and so we'll take it and move on but uh also know that we got to coach it up and and make some corrections off the tape too and uh but i'll take that much more willingly in a, in a win because i've had to take it much much uh, just as often in losses too. And as any coach will probably tell you, they'd rather have those lessons in a win than a loss. Um, but you got to take advantage of it as well. And coach talking about the game last week, I mean, you look back at your schedule, you guys have had some close games. You have come out on top in each of those close games. It 
Is that something that gives you some confidence going in towards the postseason that, hey, if it gets if it gets down to do or die time, it gets down to, you know, crunch time later on in the season, even in the postseason going forward, and it's a tight game. I know this team is comfortable in that kind of environment because we've been there a couple times this year already. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, you want to be comfortable when it's uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. is kind of a famous saying, and uh, you try to impart that in practice, but really sometimes you can't, can't embody it until you go through it in some games. And I feel like our team, yeah, has a very, very um, mild pulse. You know, we don't get too wound up. We've got a lot of kids who are very calm when the bullets are flying um, and a coaching staff that is the same. And so, uh, you know, playing with a great amount of tenacity and, and relentlessness, but also, um, you know, with a calm and cool head, because uh, when it comes winning time, oftentimes it's those that can think the clearest that uh, have some success. And so having the confidence of being able to win tight games throughout the course of the season can definitely pay off and pay dividends. But at the same point, my cardiologist would probably appreciate uh, not so many nail biters uh, throughout the course of a regular season either. Talking with Tim Columbia, head football coach at Judd Lutz here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Looking ahead to Friday, you guys take on Clyde. They have got some good wins against teams like Bellevue, Star, Waite, and Port Clinton. A couple losses on their side as well. What are some of the big things when you uh, look forward to this uh, matchup with Clyde on Friday? Yeah, you know, great, great program. And obviously we're very familiar with them and them to us. You know, we've had some great games throughout the years. Um, two communities that uh, athletics and football are pretty important um, and play really, really hard, you know, year in and year out. doesn't matter what their talent is or, um, you know, who they have. You know what you're going to get from a Clyde Flyer team, and that's tough, hard-nosed kids that grind and are going to maximize, um, you know, their athletic abilities. And so great coaching staff on that side who always build a game plan around stopping you and, um, and creating success on offense, and you're trying to do the same. And so – uh, we expect a four-quarter tight football game again. Um, that are you know you got to find ways to uh, make plays when they're there and um, get stops when you need to get stops. And um, I completely expect a, a nail biter of a game and uh, and a hard hitting contest for sure. Man, with it being uh, part one of a double header apparently in Tiffin for the games this weekend, being the four thirty game in that regard, uh, d- does that give you any? changes and maybe what the pregame routine is going to be or what you guys might do in terms of adjustments in that regard not having the traditional seven o'clock start time or is it just business as usual in your opinion yeah a little bit of both obviously you know you want to keep uh your pregame itinerary as, as similar as possible as long as it's been successful and we feel like we have a pretty good um you know pregame ritual and routine for our players and coaches and so we want to keep that as as normal as possible uh, and uh, are going to try to do so, but just realize that that uh, sun is just a little bit different spot in the sky. You know, it's probably going to be a little higher than a little bit lower. Um, but at the same point, um, you know, they got to deal with it as well and, and, and any of those changes. And so, yeah, tweaks that are definitely going to be necessary. You know, I'd be lying to tell you if they're not, they're not. Um, but at the same point, um, we're going to be really excited for uh, the opportunity to play in front of a big crowd, our home crowd, and uh, against one of our rivals. And along with that, with the doubleheader, obviously with it starting a little earlier, do you think that because of that, the atmosphere, I don't know if it'll be bigger or different or just the fact that the sun will be out longer, if that plays a different role, but how do you expect the atmosphere to be any different, if it will even be any different than a normal Friday night? 
Uh, I think it'll just feel kind of like an earlier season game, you know, with with kind of the weather and and sun. Maybe I, you know, I don't know what the weather's looking like uh, exactly. I think kind of overcast, maybe, so it won't be um, as big of a factor. But um, yeah, I mean, hopefully we've we've advertised this long long enough, communicated out to both communities long enough that you know the excuse of um, you know having to work or, or you know not being able to get to the game until a certain time is hopefully out the door and people have made arrangements and uh you know called in sick to their bosses uh well in advance so that they can get their kickoff and uh we're expecting big crowds on both sides and obviously an intense battle on the field and and excited for it which coach that actually reminds me thank you for bringing it up uh lance i'm actually gonna have a terrible cold from about four <laughs> o'clock until 6 30 on friday there you um, go just, just letting you know in advance, it's I, I feel it brewing ah. already kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, coach, I, I will ask, uh, what what is the message for the fans on that one? I mean, obviously, the the Colombian fan base travels so well. The Tiffin community, just as a whole, travels so well. They show up for the games when it's home games. It's a very, for lack of a better term, it's a very rabid fan base most of the time. So I'm not sure you have to send too much of a, Hey, maybe close out work early type of message for them. But mm-hmm. what, what is the message for the fans, for the team going into this one Friday night? Uh, obviously, you know, we, we feel their support when we're on the road, we feel their support and backing uh, at, home, at home for no home field advantage. And uh, yeah, we're going to need it again. You know, we're going to need all hands on deck uh, to find a way to win. And I'll take any advantage I can get, you know, that 1% and everything. So a nice, loud, rambunctious crowd when they got the ball and are trying to communicate. And, uh, you know, when we got the momentum, we want them to feel that uh, with, you know, the, the crowd and band behind us and student section. So, yeah, turn out for, for another big game uh, with another big league opponent coming to our place. And, you know, we've had four of our first six games on the road. And so um, it's really going to be back to be uh, confines of Frost County Stadium at home and, and have that support. And so we're excited for it. This has been Tiffin Colombian head football coach, Judd Lutz. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Clyde. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk the Tiffin Calvert side of things with their head coach, Steve Reeser, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. All right.
Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. It's Morris Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. This Friday night, we'll have a doubleheader of Tiffin High School football at 4.30. We'll have Columbian taking on Clyde, and then at 8 o'clock, we'll have Calvert playing Margaretta. You can hear both games on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI with Pete Seymour and myself from Frost Cowdow Stadium. We're now pleased to be joined by Tiffin Calvert head football coach Steve Reeser here on the Frickers Huddle Hotline. And Coach, let's go ahead and get right into it. You, of course, brought back a lot of guys from last season, but did have a handful of guys, of course, that you did need to replace. So kind of what was the process like in uh, getting ready for uh, the season this time around? Well, obviously, with high school football, small high school football, Division 7, it's uh, you know pretty typical that you're going to lose some guys. To be honest, we probably have more guys come back than a typical team uh, this year with some experience. So I don't know the numbers off the top of my head with you know, Letterman or returning starters. But uh, like I said, we did have uh, you know, a few linemen come back, a few skill spots, so they're kind of scattered around there uh, as far as where the, the returners were coming. And uh, we had some, uh, some guys that uh, came into camp ready to fill in some spots have done an excellent job uh, since the summer getting better and growing as a team. And you, of course, had a tough non-league schedule to start this season. That tough Thursday night game against Mohawk, an overtime game against Monroeville, and Norwalk-St. Paul year in, year out, a very good program as well. I know those games have been the same for at least the last few seasons, but what kind of goes into having those opponents uh, as your non-conference? Well, obviously, I think that uh, you want to challenge yourself uh, in the non-conference, but also make sure that you're, you're giving yourself an opportunity to do some things, you know, correctly you know we, we like to play some great competition and we don't need to you know schedule a college team or anything you know, at the same time I think you need to challenge yourself and uh, also you know sometimes it comes down to just getting yourself some good quality wins you know it's like I said too to become a better football team and uh, and grow as the season continues so we like to have that firm competition with Mohawks to start out you know they're a good football team I know they're struggling a little bit this year but that, that record that they have doesn't show I don't believe what kind of football team they have uh, especially not what kind of football team they put on the field week one they were uh definitely ready to get after it and play play the game. Um, you know, Monroeville traditionally is a great program, and Coach Nestor over the last couple of years has done a great job building that back up into what it, uh, what it has been for quite some time. And, you know, obviously they're, they're doing great things this season. I know they had a tough game against Lucas last week, but, uh, you know, we were, were lucky to get out of there with a the win week two. Uh, you mentioned St. Paul. Obviously they're always a, a pretty tough opponent. You know, and then you throw Lakota and Gibsonburg on top there that are two quality teams in our league. So, again, you know, the, the games that we've played so far, we feel that the competition's been good. Our, our young men have shown up to play each week, and we hope to continue to excel. Talking with Tiffin Calvert, head football coach Steve Reese. You're here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Last week, though, you had an unintended bye week when Fremont St. Joe ended up having to cancel the game. Uh, at least it was public in the afternoon uh, due to the illnesses. So kind of what was that process like in finding out that you weren't going to be able to play last week? Well, we, we found out pretty much momentarily before the rest of the uh, you know the, the public knew. When, when you have a cancellation on a Friday afternoon that late, obviously it all happens pretty quick. Um, you know, and again, and when, when you get to illness and things of that sort, when it's kind of out of everyone's control, there's not a whole lot that, that anyone can do. So, you know, Friday, uh, Friday, at probably one o'clock, we started receiving some information and, uh, just kind of throughout the next hour or so things, you know, got worse as far as the illnesses and the numbers, as far as, um, you know, Fremont St. Joe's team. So it just came down to the point where they had to cancel. And, uh, obviously we had a Friday night off, if you will. So again, it was kind of, it was, a uh, Rather than a typical bye week, it was nice to have uh, an opponent that we did work for all week last, you know, last week. So we did have an intent uh, in our practice schedule. So I kind of like that. Uh, but but not to play, obviously, even though it, 
you know, without you know, blaming anybody, it's so unfortunate the young men didn't get to play the game of football on a Friday night. And, of course, looking at your team, you like you said earlier, you returned a lot of key guys. Harry Schultz back for his third year at quarterback, Jacob Romback, Cal Warneman, Billy Klaus, just some of your guys to name a few of them. How much does that help the offense knowing that you can give the ball to, you know, a handful of different guys, all of them are capable of making a big play? Well, you know, those uh, big play uh, capabilities, obviously I think those come year in and year out with what they could be new guys on the field. I think what – what the returners give us, obviously the returns that we have, we're pretty fortunate that they're good ball players too. But but I think that, that the, the experience that they have in, in game situations to be more comfortable and also just the knowledge of, of playing the game before and things are just slowing down for them in front of them. So, again, obviously the guys that we have, we're, we do have some nice playmakers. Uh, but, but what I recognize most about the experience on the field um, is just that, you know, the, the way that they carry themselves, the maturity that uh, they play the game with because of their past experiences. The playmaking ability has been there since the first day they hit the field, you know. So on top of that knowledge that they have now from, from gaining some experience, it's really starting to show for our team and for them individually. And there's two things that I notice about your offensive and defensive lines. One, they're big. Two, by and large, they're filled with Moyers. So what can you tell us about uh, the guys up front and how they've kind of been uh, coming together as years progressed? Well, obviously, you know, we got when you got twins, um, you know, that are uh, good football players and nice size, you know, you're going to have a couple more here. So, there, you know, we got a couple more up there. We got uh, Cook's been playing pretty well. We got a wrecker up there. We got Bajan up there. So, yes, two of the five on offense are Moyers. They're twin brothers that are sophomores. Uh, they've been bringing some nice size as well as, uh, you know, wrecker and Bajan are both 6'4, 260 pound gentlemen as well. Um, Carter Cook is a little bit smaller, but. Plays with a big heart in the middle of that line, surrounded by some bigs, and they, they've been playing pretty well together so far. So, yeah, we're excited about them offensively. Defensively, we we have a, uh, a little bit of a chance to maybe get some rotation going with those five gentlemen to keep them a little bit more fresh for the offense and play a couple of different guys on our line, including uh, Carter Wolf and some other guys. But uh, we're very excited about what that size and ability has given us up front uh, with, some, with some skilled guys behind it to really show some of our, uh, like I said, athleticism and, and hard work. Defensively, it's kind of tough to match just because the offense, you know, can basically score at, almost at will. And, you know, defensively, you guys have made really, I think, the big stops when you've needed to, even if, you know, the scores sometimes look a little more evened out. What kind of can you say about uh, your defense overall? I think our defense has gotten better uh, week to week. Obviously, you know, as the season progresses, the players get better, um, you know, as well as some changes in scheme. You know, after we see what kind of we think we may need to do to, to be more efficient up front. Uh, but uh, our defense, I think, like you said, they've, they've been at times. They've come up with some big stops. I think we continue to uh, to get better. Some of that is, is, like you mentioned, our defense seems to be on the field quite a bit uh, because we've had some fortunate plays on offense or because we've had turnovers on defense that we scored off of or some things like that, whatever the case may be. Um, so, again, a lot of them may be the same guys anyway. But it's still that long time on one side of the ball it still affects you know as far as you know the continuity of the process and all that. So, but no, I think that our defense has made strides. I think we're still looking to get better. Um, one thing we can do in big games, I think, to get a little bit better for our defense is to maybe you know again continue to establish that ground game. Not that we'll ever give up a touchdown, but just be able to chunk out yards against a good defense if we have to. Hold on the ball, continue to get first downs, and uh, you know keep the ball uh, in our possession so our defense can get some rest. 
Talking with Tiffin Calvert, head football coach Steve Reese around the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys take on Margareta. Three and three on the year. Tough loss for them last week against Hopewell Loudon. Kind of, what are some of the big things you will look forward to seeing from them on Friday? I mean, obviously they're going to be ready to go. They did have a couple of tough losses earlier. They played some very good competition in bigger schools. And, uh, you know, I don't think that uh, – you know, I lost to Hope Aloud is anything that anybody could be ashamed of. That's a great football program over there that Coach Calatrillo has, and they're, they're doing some good things this year again. So, uh, you know, but there's no doubt that Margaret is going to come in ready to go and, you know, obviously looking for, you know, for some opportunities to take advantage of, you know, some things that we do on, on the both sides of the ball. Hopefully we uh, keep our miscues to a minimum and, uh, again, give them a great game and have our, you know, have a little opportunity to win in the end. So we, we know they're going to come in athletic. They've got some great receivers. You know, good running back. They've made some adjustments on offense due to an injury. Uh, their defense is stout. Uh, they fly the football, so they're obviously very well coached but with the coaching staff that they have. Uh, so, again, there's we don't expect anybody coming in soft, and we know they're going to be ready to play and well coached. So we have our work cut out for us, uh, especially, you know, on a doubleheader night where things are going to be a little bit out of ordinary anyway. So, uh, you know, we'll see if we can keep ourselves level-headed and play a good football game. And you mentioned kind of their offense uh, changing a little bit with uh, some injuries. Jake Bowie uh, took over in the first half at some point as the quarterback. Offense did get going a little bit against Hopewell in that second half. You mentioned the receivers engage Bodie, Julian Washington, their two primary guys. How do you look to keep those guys in check? Because, you know, Washington, he's only a sophomore, but at 6'4", he's obviously a big body that you have to keep track of. And Gage Bodie, they can kind of use him as a gadget player all over the field. Absolutely. You know, I've seen Bodie for a couple of years. It seems like he's been there for five years. But, uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. To keep them in check all night is obviously pretty difficult. You hope to, uh, again, keep it to a minimum. Uh, you know, hopefully not give up, you know, big plays and big yards all night. Obviously be aware of who's on the field and where at, but continue to play defense according to our, you know, the formations they give us and, you know, read our keys up front and, and fly to the football. So, again, well, you know, I don't think we're going in here expecting to shut down their offense. So, we know they have some, out, out, you know, outstanding athletes and some great schemes. So, again, to minimize it and give ourselves a chance to put a couple points on the board and maybe after a couple defensive stops is going to be key to our success. And then you mentioned it with uh, the doubleheader. Going to be a very interesting atmosphere just because it'll be a tiny bit of a later start. It's scheduled to start at 8 o'clock rather than 7. But what are, kind of atmosphere are you expecting to see in, uh, in, in Friday night? Are you hoping some of those uh, Colombian fans maybe uh, stay over for the second game? Or what do you, uh, th- what do you think you're going to see? You know, it's, uh, it's hard to tell. I'm sure that uh, you know, there'll be a couple extras there. Obviously, they're just their football, you know, fanatics. But, uh, you know, again, the, you know, those are we, – we love that our young men, you know, have crowds playing in front of the Calvary Faithful have done a great job supporting us. Obviously, all year, hopefully there's a couple extra. Uh, but to be honest, you know, as a coach, I don't really turn around and look up a whole lot. <laughs> uh, you know, so obviously we just like to play a football game. I know that's why people are there. So we focus so much on the field and hope to do our best and – They'll give the people who did stick around something fun to watch. This has been Tiffin Calvert, head football coach Steve Reeser. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck against Margaret on Friday. Hey, thank you very much, Lance. I appreciate you. Have a great night. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have Bart Wilson catching up with Foss Story, head football coach Derek Kidwell on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios.
Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. And welcome back to the NWO Orthopedic Huddle from the Frickers Studio on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM. I'm Bart Wilson, and I'm talking with Fostoria head coach Derek Kidwell. I'm sure there isn't much to say about what happened last week against Oak Harbor, so let's talk about this week's game. What are some goals that you're setting for your guys going into this game this week? Yeah, we got to play a lot more physical um, last week. We got manhandled on, on both fronts, offensively and defensively. So we got to play stronger, more physical up front. Um, Eastwood, they got a new coaching staff, uh, new philosophy. They're a spread team now, which is different for them. Um, so we got to stop their quarterback and their running back. They're a spread heavy run team. So we got to take the quarterback and running back out the game. So we got to read our keys, play physical, and play with a little more passion than we did in the second half last week. We played a very good in a very hard first half, um, and the second half kind of fell apart on us. So uh, we need a good week of practice. We need some energy and play in front of our home fans. So hopefully come out and, and give a good effort. What was the message to you guys after the game last week? Um, you know, the score the score is not, it doesn't show how close the game was in the first half. It was 7 nothing after the first and 14 nothing with three minutes left to go. In the second quarter, and we drop a touchdown pass, and that kind of took the wind out of our sails. So, our starters played extremely hard in the first half, especially defensively. We got some stops, got some turnovers. Um, so that was encouraging. You know, we went in at halftime uh, feeling upbeat, and then uh, O'Carver just came out in the second half, a little fired up for their lack of performance in the first half, and ran it right down our throat, and we couldn't get a stop. Um, so we pulled our varsity out and played our JV kids, and they continued to score. So um, it wasn't as bad as it score looks um, mm-hmm. for the varsity, but we still got to be more competitive. We still got to, I mean, we didn't win any battles up front. We couldn't run the ball. Uh, we didn't protect Gavin Miller very well for our passing game. We dropped some passes. Um, so there's still a lot of mistakes that are left on the field. Uh, we can coach better. We can coach harder. Also, you know, I take responsibility for that. So we'll go on on the field this week and we'll get after our kids and hopefully they come out with some energy and they, they want to improve. You know, we got 12 seniors. 11 seniors now, sorry, and uh, they've never beat Eastwood, so this is a chance for them to beat Eastwood at home. Their last time they'll play Eastwood, so you know, we got four games left in this season. The season goes fast. we got four left, and hopefully we can muster up some wins at the back half of our schedule where, where it softens up a little bit for us and and uh, reward our kids with the effort they've given us in the summer and, uh, and during the season with some victories. Yeah, I mean, Eastwood so far this year has been a little bit of a down year for them, and 
the last time you guys played each other, the final there was 63-7. to I mean, how much of this Eastwood squad has changed, and what are the possibilities of coming out with a win? Yeah, you know, they lost a great senior class last year with Booth and a lot of them seniors that they had last year. You know, they had a – I think they won a playoff game or two last year, if I'm, if I'm correct. Um, but it's still Eastwood. You know, they've had a winning culture over there for a long time, and it, and it starts early. It starts at a young age over there. So these kids, even though Coach Rutherford and his dad and his staff are not there, uh, these kids still believe in themselves, and they play hard in physical football, and they play for one another. So, um, you know, still going to come over here with the white helmets with the E on the side, and our kids just have to understand that they're teenagers as, as our kids are. And if they go on and compete and play clean football, if we can clean it up and not turn the ball over and not, have blown assignments, you know, we may be in it in the second half, and then if you're in a close game, anything can happen. And lastly, what are some of the key components to Friday night's game that you really want to hone in on to possibly get that victory? Yeah, we got to stop the run. We got to stop uh, number two. He's a he's really a running back for them, and number one, the quarterback, uh, he'll, he'll run the ball also. So we got to win the early downs. We want to put them in second long and third long and force them to try to pass the ball uh, rather than allowing them to call a pass or a run, whichever they prefer. So we got to get some success on early downs on defense and fly to the football and try to create some turnovers. And then offensively, you know, our offensive line's got to play a little harder and a little tougher and try to sustain some blocks so we can establish a running game with Lance Miller or Matthew Balderrama. Both of them are very capable running backs. They just don't have much opportunity sometimes due to the lack of success up front. Um, and then we got to, you know, we got to try to exploit their zone coverage with some of our passing game concepts and see if we can get the ball to open receivers in space and see what happens. All right, Coach. Thank you again for uh, calling in to talk a little bit about Friday's game. Good luck this Friday, and hopefully you can get a win in front of a home crowd. All right, thank you very much. Once again, I'm Bart Wilson, and after a quick break, Lance and Matt will talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWL Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Freckers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM. NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go, NWO. Saying goodbye to summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Bigby Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. Available for a limited time at one of the two Bigby Coffee locations in Findlay. One on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBV. i Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you once again. The Finley Trojans got their fifth straight win in a major way, a win at home against Springfield this Friday. They take on Anthony Wayne. We're now pleased to be joined by Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, let's go ahead, get right into it. Seems to be kind of a broken record at this point, but another big win for you guys this time over Springfield. What were some of the uh, big takeaways from you for last week? 
Yeah, just, uh, you know, kind of sticking with our motto of being able to start fast, being able to start fast on offense, being able to start fast on defense, and then uh, being able to kind of limit the the penalties in the, the special teams game and uh, or try to find a way to flip the game in the special, special teams game as well, too. So I would say overall, uh, it was just a good, good showing by our guys as far as coming out and starting fast. I mean, coach, it's a bit of an understatement to say it was a good showing. Y'all won 53 to nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Like like that's, that's not just a good showing. That is a, okay. We're, we're now players here in this conference. I I mean, was there anything in particular that really stood out to you from a defensive standpoint? Cause I, that that's where I'm really blown away. Springfield notoriously decent to above average offense year in and year out. And, and, and you zero burgered them. I mean, that, that doesn't happen every day. Can, can you tell us what you saw defensively that really stood out to you guys? Yeah, I think guys are just guys. There's, there's a true sense of belief. I think that that's a key part of it, right? Obviously let's start with the first part is we got some good players, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. And two of our, you know, two of the, of the captains on the team are on defense. So, I mean, we had guys who are truly believing in what we are, are are getting them to do as far as schematically goes, and they're gaining more confidence kind of, you know, really day in, day out uh, of what it takes to be, uh, you know, special at that position. So I'm really proud of how they kind of jumped out. They're, just, they're, they're doing what they're coached to do. I think that's the coolest part is we have so much film now that when we're able to show our kids or our youth programs, or our middle school programs, like we're showing them exactly what we're doing, but our kids are doing exactly what they're coached to do. They're right in the right spots. And then, you know, obviously we'll get them in the right spots, but then they got to make the plays and they're making the plays. So I'm really happy with how they're they're doing as far as rallying to the ball and, and making the plays that need to be made. Talking with Seven Adams from the high school's head football coach on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Tunnel from the Fricker Studios Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI. Once again, Ryan Montgomery, another great game from the quarterback spot, had over 360 yards through the air. What would you think of the game he had? Yeah, he's 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 in a rhythm. He's in a groove, right? Um, you know, I think I've been, it's been it's been fun to watch the the offensive side of the ball. The guys are clicking at a very high level, and I think we get so frustrated sometimes with like you know I know we're winning, but we still think there's sort of meat, meat on the bones. And when we say that is, we want to be able to uh, compete at a very high level and execute at a very high level. We know uh, heading into a game like the Anthony Wayne where we got to be on point, and they don't really give you much. They make things very hard for you. We got to be super, you know, on point and uh, execute at a high level. And those guys are doing that. They know where to be. They know where Ryan knows where they're going to be. And I think when you know where your guys are going to be and he can just easily give them the ball, it goes a long way. And certainly helps with the offensive line play. I mean, a a shutout and a 53-point game, the streak you guys were on. You knew I wasn't going to get out of this conversation without a little bit of talking about our grunts. What did you see Friday night from that offensive line? Because it really seems like, as a unit, it's starting to come into its own pretty well at this stage. Well, you know, the guys that are jumping in there, we we, we got some young pups in there. And, you know, there's been a few of them that have played, you know, since game one. So they've gotten better and better and better. And the guys that we kind of have plugged in there are, are holding their own as well, too. I think it helps with kind of schematically what we do and what we try to do as far as we try not to put too much pressure on them. Uh, we try to allow them to, to do what they do best. And they've done a good job responding to it as well. So, uh, really happy with really the coaching of, of Coach Iliff and what he's done. And like I said, just being able to plug guys in and go in there and play at a high level is is a big credit to him specifically as far as getting those guys ready to go on Friday nights. And I think we've uh, once again had an issue of where we are kind of bearing the lead, even with as good as we're talking about some of the things 
you guys did last week, but there were multiple drives that were two, three plays, like just quick hitter type of plays that we're able to get scores on. What allows the offense to not only be as effective as it was, but to be as quick hitting and score as quickly as it was last Friday? Well, that, you said it. I mean, it, it just it, it's it's our ability to strike very quickly, um, our execution, knowing where guys are going to be, uh, knowing where we need to be against the defense. And uh, after that, we got some guys that can take it to the house. I mean, I look at our receiving core, and a lot of those guys are guys who are you know quick, fast, uh, can make a guy move. I think they start with Javante. Javante wants to score every time he touches the ball and truly believes he's supposed to score every time he touches the ball. you got to – Reese Little, who can run really fast, and Jacob Raven, who's a little more wiggly and can get to the end zone and make a guy miss. Austin Hasselbeck's kind of a long strider, and Ben Best is kind of just your, your do-it-all kind of guy. So a lot of those guys are just playmakers. So once again, know where the defense is going to line up, know where the ball has to get to, catch the ball, and let those guys do the rest. And, Coach, it's got to help with a little bit of the confidence and just the play calling as the game goes on week in and week out that you know, hey, we can have those long methodical drives, but – if we need to, we got those home run hitters at the ready as well. I mean, d- does that adjust in the game or is it more, hey, it's just nice to have that in our back pocket? Yeah, well, I think we we, we go into the game thinking we're going to take what the defense gives us. I mean, that, that's where we always start. And uh, I think we've shown the ability to rush at the same time. And I think we're giving some people headaches because it's kind of who do you defend and how do you defend? Uh, we, we've kind of taken the onus off of. We, we prepare for what schematically we're going to see, but we also put a big emphasis on us you know and what we're doing and how we can continue to execute at a high level so it really kind of is pick your poison I think we got what Jackson Jackson Lane came back last week and had a touchdown he's kind of been a guy that's a kind of a if we need to run the ball and 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 bleed the clock a little bit he's a an available option so you know it kind of adds on to the idea that if we need to run the ball we can run the ball well but if we need we're obviously not going to apologize about what we do and that's passing the ball so I feel we are we're, we're we're hitting a good stride right now just you know, I think I told you before, we're chasing the perfect game, and uh, we haven't had that yet. So I'm hungry for more. Talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. I feel like we've already talked about a lot of different uh, aspects of your team, but is there anyone that you haven't already highlighted from, highlighted from uh, the last week, from last week's game, that you would like to take a moment to point out? Yeah, no, I think it's pretty easy. I think my brain goes straight to uh, just kind of our, you know, those those unsung unsung hero kind of guys. And uh, Ben Mueller at right tackle, you know, a little undersized as far as what you would expect as a right tackle, but a guy that completely fights his butt off. And uh, left tackle, we had Max Intervon come in, and he's a sophomore. And, uh, you know, we are asking a lot out of these guys to play on Friday nights. And Friday nights are, you know, it's different than Saturday mornings, you know. And, uh when the lights are bright and at a homecoming game of that magnitude and that many people there to watch us play, I thought those two guys performed very well. And Ben's been doing it for a couple of games now, but Max to come in and, and have his first start be on homecoming. That, that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. And uh, he handled it very well. So he did a good job. And also I can talk about CJ Reed Tisdale, who's been steady Eddie for us at the cornerback position. Um, kind of came new to us this year uh, and has been a great addition to the team. And, you know, our defensive, once again, defensive stats look great. Uh, but if you really look at it, too, we haven't had, you know, too many touchdown passes on us. And that's due to kind of our competitive nature at our defensive backfield, starting with C.J. Reed Tisdale. Yeah, and I was just asked, Coach, with it being homecoming, 
week this past week. How do you feel like the crowd and the environment was? Because uh, looking at you guys' schedule right now, two and one on at home, three and zero oh on the road. You mentioned the looking for the perfect game. How much of that also factors in from a crowd perspective too? Because it rolling in a game like that, got to imagine the crowd was very much into it as the game went on. Yeah, no, it was our best crowd yet. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, it was our best crowd yet, and I, I love the energy, the environment. And I think when you know, I think I, I've been lucky. You know, take away even just what we had this past weekend. But I've been lucky to go to two big major college stadiums the last two weeks. And what an environment can do and what it can add to a game uh, is very impactful. So to see that many people at our game this past week, to, to see it as loud and as filled as it was, it was pretty uh, It was pretty fun to kind of take in. And I, I think our kids love it. Our, our kids love it. They feed off of it. So it all works out, uh, you know, well for us. So I, 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 we were at a blackout this week and uh, we're against Anthony Wayne, which is a, a big major one. So we've got to take care of business, uh, you know, as much as we can this game as well too this is the nwo orthopedics sports huddle from the fricker studios classic hits 96.7 wbvi lance morris matt common talking with finley high school's head football coach stefan adams led me right where i wanted to go looking ahead to this friday night when you guys take on anthony wayne four and two overall did have themselves a tough loss last week to whitmer what are some of the big things you uh, see from looking forward to them this time around uh, it's the, I mean, we 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 look at the last game, but we don't try to measure of what the last game actually means. Uh, we know who Andy Brungard is and what a phenomenal job that he does with that program. They're the same as they were last year, the same as they were two years ago, the same when he took the program over. Uh, I always call it a bar fight. It's going to be a bar fight, right? And they're tough. They're sound. They're disciplined. They don't beat themselves. And, you know, they, they just fight you for four quarters. So, uh, got some good talent on the outside, got a big tackle, uh, some big bodies, and defensively just very sound. And like I said, it's just you watch the games last year, you'll see kind of the same stuff. But, you know, they don't – they're very true to who they are. You know, Coach, you, you kind of just killed me on that one because I was going to go exactly to that bar fight analogy because it, it ain't much of a secret. Anthony Wayne and Finley don't like each other. Um, <laughs> it's, I, 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 don't, I don't think either team has each other on their Christmas card list. But what, when you look at a rivalry matchup like that, now it being a you know conference rivalry matchup in that regard as well, just really kind of adds an extra layer to it. But what are some of the things that you expect from your team in terms of the preparation going into it? Because like you said, Anthony Wayne's going to always be Anthony Wayne. That They yep. really just, they are who they are yep. type of situation. But what was the prep been like so far this week leading up to that game? It's been fun. I mean, it, I would call it like this a very healthy, I would. I don't know, I don't know if I can call it a rivalry yet, but I would say it's a pretty healthy, like you said, is it, that we, they just, we know what we're getting with them. And I think one of the things that have kind of been has challenged from time to time with us and our pro, uh, program, but it's like how people view throwing the ball as passive. They view it as not tough, right? And, um, you know, I beg the difference. It's the complete opposite. I look at our defense. It plays extremely tough. And our offense is quick striking, but we're blocking guys up out on the perimeter. So, you know, they – there's no question about it. They bring the physicality with no – uh, apologies so it, it's kind of a very good measuring stick for where we are how physical we want to be um and i think our guys are pretty confident in what we're doing right now and they're very confident in this the strength and conditioning part of things that they've worked on all offseason so it, it's going to be a fun matchup it's going to be a physical matchup and it's going to be like i said before it's going to be a bar fight it's interesting that you kind of bring up the 
like teams that throw are not as tough as teams that run analogy because it's not something I've truly really thought about all that much, at least at the high school level. But it's, it's funny you bring that up just because that is, especially, I guess, if you're facing a team like you guys that passes the ball, that's probably one of the things you would want to relay to your team. Oh, they pass the ball. They're not tough, which is not correct clearly in your case but it's just interesting i hadn't really thought of that as you know a narrative that you can use nowadays with the kind of explosion of the way some teams can pass the ball yeah no i I think that's like i I, it is what it is i'm 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 cool with it right that's what you think but i think that's just that's just like an old school mindset teams that pass the ball aren't tough because we always think of everything as as what like fourth and one i gotta be able to run the ball like yeah i hear all that like that's not i'm not gonna sit here and say like you you can't have one of the two but for us i mean at this very second you know if it comes down to fourth and one who's 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 who are we putting the ball who are we putting the ball's hands in right now and i'm sure everybody's gonna think we're gonna put the ball in ryan's hand right and then, then okay well if the ball's in his hand he's either gonna run it if he's gonna run it if it's crunch time we're gonna throw it like you know like we'll do whatever it takes to win the ball game you know and uh I think our guys have shown a great amount of toughness. And if you watch us play, you see we block out on the perimeter. Um, a lot of our big hit and plays actually come from screen plays. You know, where we're throwing it very right now and our other receivers or our linemen are getting downfield and blocking and, you know, being very physical. So we we, we know what the perception is. But, you know, I keep telling our guys something very simple. And it's people, you know, let, let people see it. You know, once they see it, they'll be able to believe it. So I'm fine with that. We'll leave it at that. And coach, you mentioned it's uh it's blackout week yeah. for uh for Donnell Stadium and uh Finley High School. So looking ahead to this game, it it's Anthony Wayne. Last week we were told be ready for some juice this week. So Absolutely. you know what? I, I am I am amped, I am hyped, I am prepared. What's the message for the fans? What's the message for the team? And how quickly am I going to be running through this wall here? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple, man. You got to bring your gloves and be ready to go for four quarters, right? You got to be conditioned. You got to be mentally conditioned and need our fans, need our need our fans and need our all our student section as rowdy and loud as possible. We got to make sure we bring and have that extra, as people call it, the 12th man, right? Ready to roll. But I tell our guys kind of, you know, it's pretty simple. You know, we, we've kind of understood that wherever we go, we're going to get everybody's best. And nobody's going to believe it until they actually play us. And the point, the, the, the very simple thing for me is we, we ain't proving anybody, we ain't proving anybody but ourselves right. That everything that we've done this up to this season, it, it ain't a fluke. It's real, you know. And we're heading in a different direction, you know. And if, if if that's the doubt that other people have, we don't we don't live on people's doubt. We live on what we're doing, what we've done to prove ourselves right continuously, game in and game out. Right now, we're confident. We feel good about ourselves. But let's go out there and continue to show people that exactly this program is heading in the right direction. And you know, hey, if listen, if we gotta if we gotta dance it out, we'll dance it out. Okay, if we gotta go fight it out and go for twelve rounds, we'll go for twelve rounds. Whatever it takes, wherever it is, spot the ball. Let's get ready to roll. Okay. Yeah. Nope. That that was it right there. That was it. I, 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 do this thing, my let's God. Go, man. <laughs> on that Good note, ball. this has been Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Anthony Wayne. As always, appreciate you guys. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll take a look at the NFL here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. 
We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Columbian head football coach Judd Lutz, Tiffin Calvert head football coach Steve Reeser, Faustoria head football coach Derek Kidwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams for all joining us tonight on the show. If you missed any part of our show today or just want to hear it again, head over to WFB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's Show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. We're also available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. We might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Tonight you can get their sirloin steak dinner. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash. The daily specials are all dine in only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers. Dot com And once again, I want to tell you about the good football we have coming your way. On Friday night, we have a doubleheader of action with both of the Tiffin High Schools. At 4.30, a rivalry matchup in the SBC Lake Columbian taking on Clyde. At 8 o'clock, we'll have an SBC River matchup for homecoming for Calvert as they take on Margareta. You can hear both of those games with Pete Seymour and myself from Frost Cowdow Stadium. That'll be on Classic Hits 96.7. WBVI and on WF will be another SBC River matchup. Gibsonburg takes on Lakota Mac. And Tom Grind have that one for you Friday night on WFOB. From my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys in the next one.